Hello and welcome to the Full of Beans podcast, hosted by myself, Hannah Hickenbotham. Throughout these podcast episodes, we will speak to a range of individuals about their experience of eating disorders, with the aim of increasing awareness and understanding, whilst reducing stigma and isolation. Please note that the topics discussed in this podcast may be triggering for some individuals, so tread lightly, check in with yourself and reflect on these conversations. Today I'm joined by Christina Taylor, a BEAT ambassador with her own eating disorder experience. She joins me today to talk about Christmas and New Year and how to manage these situations. Hello, Christina. Hi. How are you? Oh, okay. It's a bit cold, isn't it? (laughs) It's freezing. I've literally been sat with my duvet on today. It's quite embarrassing, but I was like, I can't sit here. It's too cold without it on. I'm under the duvet a bit as well. Oh, good. Okay. Good company. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so I wondered today if we wanted to start as the theme is Christmas. Um, we've spoken a bit about your experiences of Christmas and your eating disorder. So do you want to give us an overview of how those things tie together for you? Yeah, so I've, I have um, ADNOS or atypical anorexia, um, but I was diagnosed with um, anorexia originally um, around about Christmas um, mm. in uh, a long time ago, in 1998. Um, and um, I always have very strong memories of my eating disorder being at its worst um, around Christmas. I started therapy for my eating disorder um, when, I, when I was about 13. Um, and I remember all the lights being up around Christmas um, and um, I wasn't uh, I didn't have interventions for my eating disorder initially until just after Christmas. So I, I remember very vividly the very, very strong um, eating disorder kind of thoughts and problems that I had around, you know, sort of saving up what I could eat, working out exactly what I could eat on Christmas Day. Um, my birthday is around Christmas as well. My birthday is on the 13th um, and I have. Um, the whole period just is a, is a really strong memory of when my eating disorder has been at its worst. Um, and I've always really struggled with um, kind of the social aspect of, of Christmas mm. as well, because Christmas um, isn't just Christmas anymore, is it? Like Christmas starts in first of November, yeah, it yeah. seems, <laughs> for a lot of people. I think it's um, like as soon as bonfire's gone, bonfire yeah. and Halloween, once they're out of the way, it's like full on sports, full speed ahead for Christmas. And, um, and all the food comes out and you think, oh, my God, what, what am I going to do? Everything, every social interaction I'm going to have with people for the next two months is going to involve food or drink. And um, how, how am I going to cope with that? Um, when as well, you know, it, it's very triggering, you know, that because it's not just people with anorexia that struggle at Christmas it's very cold and and very isolating. But people with binge eating disorder and people with binging and purging disorders, that period of excess is a real real struggle because everyone's encouraging you to eat more mm. um and then those urges of wanting to get rid of food or feeling guilty after you've eaten what you perceive to be too much food it, it sort of becomes sort of like a, a socially ingrained thing uh, someone once asked me what it's like to have atypical anorexia to, to make myself sick to, to have those feelings of wanting to make myself sick after I'd eaten and I said well have you ever had that feeling after you've eaten Christmas dinner where you just feel like every fiber of your being is food I was like that's kind of what it's like every time you eat when you've got a for me when you you've got an, when I've got an eating disorder I was like I just feel like there's food everywhere and having that 
in your face all the time and people sort of saying oh I put on weight oh I uh, you know I've, I've eaten too much I'm gonna have to be good in the new year that's another fun one I'm mm. good in the new year when people really worry um, about how much weight they put on and start talking about their diet and exercise plans for January that's a that's a one to sit comfortably with isn't it <laughs> yeah I think you've named um, some a lot of things there that I definitely kind of want to go on to in terms of you know how to manage Christmas because I think like you said it can be such a challenging time um, but equally I, I think and I guess this is coming from my brain now as somebody that is quite far along in recovery in that when you know when it used to be Christmas it was like you know every single threat system went up and I was terrified whereas now I can almost see it in a rational mind and be like well this is a good time to challenge that anxiety to socialize or that anxiety around food do you think is that something that you've been able to do and do you think that's a sort of a good approach or do you have a different approach at Christmas definitely I think that there's there's self-care involved as well so um on the day itself I know that day for me is going to be really tough um and it's always been just because of the the food involved and it's something that I found quite difficult so as a family we um we have a day where we just wear pajamas and we all pick one thing that we want to eat and and we eat that um and that's fine um but because I know that particular day is always going to be a tough one for me but um it in my my time in recovery from my eating disorder and I am I am fully recovered now I I have found um that pushing my boundaries uh, and finding myself sitting with discomfort has actually been really positive for me so for years um the office Christmas party has always been the thing that kind of strikes dread into me um you know I spent years and years saying oh I'm, I don't feel very well or I would use compensatory behaviors and I drink too much to make myself comfortable around the food or I'd make myself sick and I went out on the Christmas parties um, uh, and then when I started to go into recovery that was a huge trigger for me but I had to learn how to deal with it and I'm so glad that I did um, I started a new job about seven years ago and I started it at Christmas and the first thing was I was invited to the Christmas party and I um, I was undergoing therapy at the time and I remember going to my therapist two months before and just going oh my god what am I going to do I, I how am I going to sit in front of people I barely know and eat I can't think of anything worse and I was like I'm new so I can always just say I won't go and she said well yeah you could but you could use it as an opportunity to start a new job in a much better place um you know pushing yourself having challenges and and feeling like you're on top of this rather than starting it at a deficit um and I went I mean I cried before I went because I was absolutely terrified um and I met these new people and it was such a good idea that I went you know I I didn't eat everything on my plate I ate what I felt comfortable with um and I you know I did I didn't try and go out eat an entire roast dinner and Christmas pudding as well I, I was practical about what I could do and what I could achieve um but I went there and I, I knew the discomfort of sitting with all these people watching me eat was going to be the biggest thing and sitting there and I ate in front of them I talked to people I didn't really know that well and I had a really good time and I it actually set me in a really good stead for that job which I stayed in for a number of years and people opened up to me and chatted to me at that party and I made friends because I went and it was such a good thing that I did it and yeah the discomfort was there I felt rubbish at times but I had my coping strategies in place you know when I felt like I, I needed to be sick I texted my husband and said 
I was struggling just say something nice and he texted me back and said don't worry just just chat if we need to chat you can leave if you want to don't worry and I had all these things I set up I knew where I could fail and I set up ways to cope and I think it is really important not to try and push yourself so much that you might fail to set these impossible standards for yourself to set yourself manageable goals over a period that is really difficult and to be kind to yourself and to understand that recovery isn't linear and you won't suddenly wake up one morning and be able to eat Yorkshire puddings and Christmas and turkey if you've not been able to do that before to to you know to sit at the table with your family and eat something that feels manageable to you that might be the first step in and then next year you might be able to do something a little bit more um and not put so much pressure on yourself to enjoy yourself um because it is about a time where you're comfortable and happy as well as pleasing everyone around you which is what people with eating disorders always want to do they want to make (laughs) everyone else happy um but you you have to take a little bit of time to protect yourself as well Um, and not beat yourself up if you don't do exactly you know nail Christmas first time yeah and that's such a good point like that you've kind of raised there is I think a lot of the time especially with anorexia you know it's about that perfect Christmas and I think for you know parents and carers or whatever if if the eating disorder is very present in the home I think often at Christmas people are like okay you know this speaking from my experience it would always be like mum would be like okay Christmas is going to be great Christmas is going to be the one like Hannah's going to be fine on Christmas day blah 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 and it it builds this massive pressure of be having this perfect Christmas and that's just reminded me of this memory that my mum now laughs about but we didn't she wasn't laughing at the time we went into Tesco's one Christmas because uh, me and mum always do the Christmas shopping and I wanted to have like proper roast potatoes because we never know like my mum she is a good cook now but she never really used to cook and I wanted <laughs> to have proper roast potatoes so I wanted this perfect Christmas dinner and genuinely we had an argument for about half an hour about whether we were going to have frozen Aunt Bessie's or we were going to have actual roast potatoes. And my mum thought that it was coming from like an eating sort of perspective that I wanted to have proper ones rather than the Aunt Bessie ones. But for me, it was wanting to have a perfect Christmas and have everything homemade and it be all wonderful. And I think that just kind of like that, that situation to me just sums up how an eating disorder kind of takes over at Christmas because everybody's got the oh my god something's going to go wrong because of the eating disorder it's not going to be perfect so sorry I've completely gone off on one there no no that's exactly what I (laughs) I the first time I I used to feel like um yeah exactly how you said like Christmas always had to be perfect and um and because I've got two small children I always used to split the day between um either going to my husband's parents or or to my parents um and I used to always feel the the food there was, you know, it was so out of my control and I used to feel so uncomfortable. But I envisioned that the perfect Christmas was sitting with family, drinking wine and having this big turkey. And that was what I and I would push myself every single year to do that, even though it wasn't what made me happy at all. Um, and actually, w- what makes us more happy is staying at home and playing Mario Kart with my son. <laughs> in our pajamas um and you know I say to my kids like what what do you want to eat and they they don't care they don't care what we eat they don't care if I make a perfect roast dinner mainly because I don't think it's in my capability to do so um but you know I I give it a go but I you know I I I say to my kids what do you want and they're like sausages really that's all we want and um and yeah and 
my Christmas isn't ruined because that's what they want to yeah. eat. It, it's it's about a day when we all just get to spend time together um, and play with our Christmas presents, really. And I I have to remind myself that it's not about the food. And I, I really strongly resisted my mum as a Christmas present to us every year said to me can I do a Christmas food order for you and I was always like no I'm going to make it all from scratch it's all got to be perfect I'm going to peel every vegetable myself and I thought like after the first year when I did that I thought why do I want to do this myself like it's so much more fun to get it delivered and just stick it in the oven and I can (laughs) sit and you know I'll go and look at it every now and again and I was like what what? why do I need to do that my kids don't my kids don't notice the difference my you know my kids like complain if I get expensive cheese sauce sometimes you know they 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 prefer the supermarket and run they don't care they don't notice what what they care about is what's in their stockings and I I realized that the only person who really cared about it was me and I sort of thought "Hmm, maybe I should stop caring and since I started doing Christmas on my own terms it's meant that I have kind of embraced the idea of experimenting more and trying new things and eating things I never would have done like last year I had my own safe version of a cheese plate and I was like wow I could never have done this but it's because I I kind of accept what my own boundaries are now and I don't try and say yeah this is what has to happen every Christmas um but I make sure that everyone else has got what they want as well. Like for years, my, my kids were like, do we have to have a Christmas pudding? And I was like, yes, it's Christmas. And then they were like, but can't we have something we like instead? So we started getting them chocolate cake because that's what they like. Mm. And yeah, it's you put so much pressure on yourself. Um, and my, my family, um, I think we, we always did have family round because my brother and sister are a lot older than me. And it was a chance for me to spend time with them. Um but I just remember when I was really in the grips of my eating disorder, just thinking about what was on my plate and just wanting the day to be over. Mm. And it's not really what I want, but I'm sure there's so many people out there who that whole day, they just wake up and they just want it to be over so they can go back to everything being normal mm. um, because it it's just stress, isn't it? It's in, yeah. And it, it kind of sucks all the joy out of it. Yeah. It's not really what you want it to happen. Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think that's definitely for me has been how to kind of enjoy Christmas more is to take that focus away from the food and I don't necessarily think that that's from like a disordered perspective but I think I agree with you in that you know I hate Christmas pudding I can't I genuinely can't stand it I don't understand why people actually like to eat that but I felt like I had to have it like you said because it was Christmas but now I will have like a Yule log or something you know it can still be Christmassy like you've said Um, I guess my question for you there would be like how can you I I mean and this might depend on like the kind of place you're at with your recovery but how do you think you can honestly say to yourself like I genuinely want this food rather than this other food because this one I actually prefer more rather than that one terrifies me more if that makes sense think when, once you, this is sort of like a stage of recovery that you move into where you think uh, it's less about the numbers that's in something and more about what it tastes like and I guess the only way that I found that was trial and error um, and I think that's something that's really difficult for people with eating disorders because when you come to meals meals have so much pressure on them every meal isn't it you know every meal has to be perfect and if something's wrong with it that can like absolutely crumple and it can ruin your day if like mm. a meal is a little bit off um and yeah I guess like one of that 
the kind of massive learning curves for me, even as someone who, who's kind of quite on top of their recovery, was the pandemic and the food shortages and um, all the things that I really liked eating. Like one of my foods that I was always really comfortable with was pasta, which was sort of in quite short supply in the early days of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Um, and I had to, um, I had to, you know, I had to find other things. Um, and it made me realise how I had to try things and that it, it was I was limiting myself so much by keeping to things that were comfortable and safe just because they were easy um, and it wasn't more it, I wasn't really worrying about what was in them I was more worrying about what was um, sort of didn't require a lot of thought to deal mm. with um, so yeah I, I try to introduce something new um, as much as I can and and just I think you know how it's going to make you feel sometimes even when you've been in recovery for a long time you know that something new is always going to make you feel very uncomfortable or just that have that little niggle that you don't really want um so I sort of try to mix it up throughout the year and try new things um and and sort of push my boundaries as much as I can um and just figure out and some things I just don't like them um and I always that everything I didn't like I actually would like if I didn't have an eating disorder but Mm -hmm. things like meat I mean I I don't like meat I I just don't like it it makes me feel a bit gross um (laughs) and I've tried eating meat to see if it's me that doesn't like meat or it's my eating disorder that doesn't like meat and it's just I I just don't like it um I, I haven't eaten meat properly since I was about seven um and yeah I'm just not that the texture of it's something that I don't particularly like but I know a lot of people are afraid of things like meat and dairy Mm. um and I suppose one way I found whether I like things or not is I did try things in small portions to see how I felt about them and if I did like them the next time I made it a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger Mm. and a little bit less scary um which is is quite kind of in reverse to how a lot of people do it I think you know I think a lot of people they have to have that bang on exposure therapy the whole thing Whereas when I started really testing my boundaries, you know, things like, uh, for example, a pizza, I was quite scared of a pizza. So I got quite a small one and I tried that one and I, I did it and I thought, oh, I quite like that. And then the next time I got a Domino's because I thought, well, I liked it. I might as well go all out. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a really, a really good point, though. I think one part of recovery that I've really enjoyed, actually, in a weird way is being able to say, I love that food or I actually don't like that food but knowing that it's genuinely coming from I actually don't like that food rather than like I'm terrified of it so I'm gonna have to say and I think you're completely right as well when you're in the depth of an eating disorder you think I bet I'd love that food if I could have it um but then actually giving yourself the freedom to try it and to make your own judgment I think that that does really help I used to like dream about food when I was really ill when I was about about 10 years ago and I was around um I, I suffered quite badly with my eating disorder when I was pregnant with my children and I used to just sit there and think if I could eat anything what would I eat and I would just list off the foods in my head and now I actually eat what I like eating <laughs> and none of those foods are in there it's just my brain was so starved of food yeah I was just thinking about food all the time um which is just one of the most fascinating things about eating disorders to me mm. that when you aren't eating enough your brain makes you seek out food by just making you think about food yeah. all the time it's just fascinating yeah I, I've heard that quite a lot and I know pers- like from personal experience as well I had that too and I think it is fascinating like you said and another thing that I kind of wanted to pick up on of, of what you said was talking about sort of the control 
at Christmas because I think for a lot of people kind of um you know you might you might be at home and you might be cooking Christmas dinner but for other people they might be going out or they might be going to family um and again I think like at the initial stages I wanted to control everything that was cooked but actually being able to hand over to somebody else and say you know you do it um and be okay with that was actually a really positive step forward so what what are your thoughts about sort of things like control at Christmas and if that is something that people struggle with how do you think they can sort of navigate through that yeah I used to really struggle with control um I remember in the very early stages my eating disorder recovery my my therapist told me to get my husband to cook a meal um to kind of try and sort of eek me back a little bit um and I just stood at the door going like have you cut this like this have you done this and I was just like hovering around him like like a bee I couldn't stop and I remember by the end of it I was just sitting on the floor crying because I just couldn't watch someone else cooking food that I then had to eat um and it was such a difficult experience but kind of exposure to that over time has become so much easier and now actually when my husband wants to cook it's a relief because I'm knackered um but you know I had to do that kind of controlled exposure to it in the first instance so I think I probably say to people like to start with try try and practice those feelings up Mm. to the day because if you just sort of say to yourself it'll be fine on the day it probably won't and you'll probably put yourself through loads and loads of stress um, and you might ruin Christmas for yourself and it might have an impact on them putting pressure on the people who are cooking for you um and that might be really difficult for everyone and it's not a day where you want that so maybe try and practice maybe you know do a practice run with someone and you can sit with those feelings of discomfort and have the meltdown earlier on and then you you know how your reaction is going to be or maybe try eating some bits of the things that might be on your plate might be another way for people to sort of get used to it rather than I, I I used to be a very black and white thinker and I would think like I'll just put it out of my mind until the day and then I'll do it and it will be fine and inevitably it never was fine I just used to panic or do something compensatory to deal with it um and uh, I used to when when I used to go to other people's houses I used to sort of go it's fine I'll have a I'll have a glass of wine and that will make it all better and then I would drink too much and I would would lose control of what I was thinking about and doing and it would inevitably make the situation worse so I guess my, my advice would be to give yourself kind of a controlled exposure to the things that make you feel uncomfortable leading up to the day and if you can and I know that people can't always do this but to speak to the the people who who you'll be with and to let them know sort of some things that that would make you feel more comfortable so when I used to try new foods and I used to feel really uncomfortable I used to have like a comfort food that I would eat alongside it so like a a certain vegetable that I always felt that I could eat and that wouldn't make me feel anxious and I would have that on my plate with the things that made me feel really really stressed whenever Mm -hmm. I tried something new when I was first kind of getting used to things um so you know it might might be worth suggesting that you can have something there that would bring you comfort that you know that you can eat alongside everything else um openness and honesty is always the best way to go about things but I know it's not as simple as being open and honest for example for me um I concealed having an eating disorder for a long long time with the people I worked with I found it really really uncomfortable because I thought people would just think I was really weird and no one would understand um, but then I did a big article um, 
in my workplace and there's 16,000 people where I work so it's quite a lot um and I did a big article about um how workplace social events can be really um uninclusive to people with eating disorders and how how you can feel really outside and um isolated um and that was like ripping a big plaster off and um I had to I had to just sort of suck it up but then and whenever I had conversations with anyone about social events people would actually ask me what made me feel comfortable and say Mm -hmm. oh if we're doing this are you going to be okay with that whereas before I'd have had to make excuses and say oh no I don't feel very well or oh no I've got to look after my kids when really I wanted to go I just didn't want to eat anything and I didn't think I could sit there while all of my colleagues had a dinner and I would just sit there feeling deathly uncomfortable um so having people who I think people always expect the response to someone having an eating disorder to be worse than it actually is um when, when I told most people I expected <gasps> And oh my God, you, um, I mean, one of my favorites was you don't look like you've got an eating disorder, which was an old boss of mine. And I was just like, thanks. (laughs) But um, most people were like, oh, you you manage it so well and you've got such a positive outlook on life. I just, I I always expected people with an eating disorder just to be really, really thin and really, really ill. And I was like, well, I'm not, you're not, you can have a functioning eating disorder. And actually most people with an eating disorder aren't really thin. You know, people with severe anorexia are a very small percentage of people with eating disorders. Um, and I was really glad to be able to increase people's understanding of um, w- what it's like to have an eating disorder and to make people more inclusive in how that they are socially. And people said that, you know, that when they've considered doing social things and not just at Christmas at, at you know bigger events that they, they've started thinking about oh the, we're all only round a table and so like one one of the social events we did the following year was a quiz because then we had a buffet and people could eat if they wanted to but it wasn't we were all sat around a table with a plate mm. in front of us it was a social way of doing stuff that didn't only focus on food and I was really grateful that my colleagues when I shared something with them that was so personal had gone out of their way to make something supportive and inclusive of the fact that I didn't feel a hundred percent comfortable filling up a giant plate and eating in front of them and it meant that it was easier for me to kind of integrate with them and to socialize as well because the focus wasn't wholly on food but Christmas day the focus kind of is on food mm. so um I guess it's about asking what you can do what what people can do um to be supportive um and say like can we have time where we can do something like this is there something that I can do to kind of get my focus off food Mm. is there someone safe I can talk to when I'm struggling at the table because there will be someone safe that you can talk to even if it's a mate even if you want to just text your friend and say oh my god my plate's making me feel really stressed that that's the same thing that you can put in place to make that day a little bit more manageable for you I think I've gone a little bit off track there but no no not at all. I mean you're bringing out loads of fantastic tips so that's absolutely fine um I think what you've just said about kind of you know your work being so supportive it kind of just made me think you know I mean that is you know fantastic but you, people may not want to go you know currently on the 7th of December to their boss and say I want you to change our Christmas party but it did just make me think you know for the future that is absolutely fantastic and I'm really glad that your work were so inclusive but also just on Christmas day thinking about you know rather than because I think a lot of the time I mean I know again I'm talking just for me personally it'd be like we're having dinner at two o'clock 
nothing's happening before nothing's happening after we're having dinner at two o'clock and I'd be like my god if I wake up at nine o'clock that's several hours until I'm then gonna eat and then several hours afterwards so I think something I always tried to do was to be like oh you know could we play a game you know just before dinner or after dinner or you know can I help set the table before we have dinner or whatever just to provide distractions and yeah giving yourself things to do is a really good yeah. idea just because you know sitting down is fantastic but if you go from whizzing around a million miles an hour in your day-to-day life to then on Christmas day you have to sit down that's another pressure that you're applying to yourself and I think it just you don't have to go from 100 to zero or zero to 100 you can kind of gently you know do what feels right for you um so do you have any tips for people to kind of provide those distractions during the day the day before the day after whatever you could take responsibility for organizing a game or something or Mm. um you know you could like um I'm I'm quite lucky because I have kids so I'm (laughs) you just have very easy distractions (laughs) yeah um, so I mean yeah I you know if your family are are one where you have a walk you know say time we go if you know you're going to feel really one of the things I always used to struggle with is after I'd eaten what was I going to do with myself to stop myself being sick um so you know one of the things could have been go for a walk with my husband because there's you can't make yourself sick when you're walking around outside um and it's going to reduce that anxiety of oh I'm sitting around just absorbing loads of food which is a, a totally real feeling that I think everybody has on Christmas day not just Mm -hmm. people with eating disorders um you know um opening present offering to clear up is always a good one because no one wants to clear up on Christmas day so offering (laughs) to you know follow you know help out help yeah but keeping yourself away from the food but I think like things like organizing a quiz like that mm. could be your thing you know if you have a, you have a family and you, you know writing a quiz doing the quiz writing a game something like that there's loads of games out there like five second rule that's always when I play at Christmas because my kids love it even though they're terrible at it um but it's one that's quite quite low fine quite low effort but if you want to make a special contribution to the day then maybe you could write a Christmas quiz for your family mm. Um, and be the quiz master and stuff because that keeps your mind on that and keeping the scores and everything and then that's something fun that you brought to the table that isn't food to the table yeah um because I mean it is really important to remember that for most people food is like a really important way that people socialize um and mm. it is really hard for people to understand the idea that food kind of just strikes fear into your core of your being you know and I think most people aren't being unkind if they aren't considerate they just they have literally no concept of the idea that this isn't fun for you they just they can't get their heads around that my husband you know we've been together for 13 years and he he just cannot understand why well he couldn't it's not like um it's it's not like that now but he couldn't understand why there were periods in my life where one type of yogurt would make me cry instead Mm. of another type he just for him food is just fun it's just nice he likes it he enjoys a day where he can do anything he wants. Um, and that point, like you were saying with people at, at work, that kind of conversation isn't it isn't going to your manager and saying, I want you to change the Christmas party so it fits around me, because that's that's necessarily a way to to frame a conversation in a positive way, but a positive way of maybe framing it is saying, I know everyone really enjoys this, but is there an activity that we could do first so mm-hmm. that maybe I could feel more comfortable? Um, but 
but in the same time always saying that you kind of appreciate that food is a really social part of, of everyday life um and you aren't like making people want to change because of you you just want people to be supportive of the things that you're going through because if somebody had say you know suffered with alcoholism and every social event was down the pub mm. you wouldn't be criticized for saying would it be okay if we did yeah something that's not really triggering for me because I find it really difficult but at the same time I don't want you guys to stop having fun I just wonder if we could maybe the next time we could go for a coffee or we could go for a lunch together or something like that um yeah and I think it's really important to kind of acknowledge that that part of the day is really important for some people um, and to make your contribution to, to their day something important as well, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such a good point that you kind of raised about the fact that for a lot of people, food is celebration. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that definitely springs to my mind there is for my grandma cooking and feeding is the way that she shows her love and so that for me was always something really difficult to navigate because it was almost offensive to her for me to say oh I always always remember she'd be like do you want this and I'm like oh I'm okay thank you and she's like I'm not asking you how you are I'm asking you if you want some food um but that was quite challenging because it made me feel very uncomfortable and she could see that discomfort but that had always been her way of kind of showing that she that she loved her family so I guess a question there would be maybe from both sides as the individual that's in recovery how to speak to family members you know or whether you want to speak to family members or if you don't what to do there but then equally as a family member you know how to maybe try and support your loved one on Christmas day I think it is really tricky because I mean I've had an eating disorder since I was 13 and I I'd rather not say how many years that is but it's a lot um and um and my mum still doesn't understand my mum still thinks that um if she gets the food I normally eat and puts it in front of me everything is fine and it doesn't matter when I eat it or how I eat it or what I've eaten earlier that day and that's how my mum yeah my mum my mum is is like how my mum's probably about the same age as, as you know to be honest because my mum's quite uh, my mum's nearly 80 um, and she she loves people by feeding them and um, that's just who she is um, and I, I had to be with my mum because she's my mum I can be quite firm and quite honest and just say look mum I'd rather not talk about food you know food's a thing that makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes um, would you mind just not suggesting any food I, I'm here and me being here is what's important let's just focus on that but that's my mum and that's a very different relationship to say my mother-in-law um, and <laughs> that conversation I was really worried about hurting her feelings and you know upsetting her because she loves she loves hosting she loves having people around and she you know she does a great job and she she tries really hard and I felt always if I didn't eat certain things that I was kind of hurting her feelings or not participating and being offensive um and so in that respect I I actually asked my husband if he would mind just saying to my mother-in-law because I felt really uncomfortable and I didn't I mean, I didn't have any reason to, but it was just me being anxious about it. Mm. And I said, would, would you mind kind of saying to your mum that I do have a problem with food sometimes and sometimes it's easier for me just to to come and not eat certain things or to to eat at my own pace and it's not a, an insult to you. So I think having a trusted kind of advocate or someone that you're close to, if, if you're in a family, maybe like a brother or a sister who can speak or a parent who can say to your extended family, you know, this is kind of what they might do please don't ask any questions because it's going to make them feel uncomfortable and don't take it personally because sometimes you just need that middle person 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't have that, that is really tricky. Um, but people should, you know, if people know that you've got an eating disorder and they are taking offence to behaviours that you have around food, I think what's really important is to remember that the problem there is them. It's not you mm. because people know, you know, I, people, I eat disorders are very misunderstood. People think that pe- if you eat, you are fine. And that's not the case. Um, and, you know, I, I think that people often think that they are the problem because they're not snapped back to normal and that they should be back to normal and everything should be easy. And they put a lot of pressure on themselves Um but if people aren't responding in an appropriate way that you're doing and you're doing your best, you're doing your best. And you need to be kind to yourself about that. And you need you need to be giving yourself as much of, you know, as bigging yourself up as much as you can. Because if you've tried your hardest on that day to do as much as you can for yourself and for your family, for the people you love and someone's still being awkward about it, mm. that's on them. They've got their own, obviously got their own issues that they might be that they struggle to lose weight and they see somebody who is quite small or isn't eating the way that they're eating and they can't control their own urges around foods and that that sets something off in them and that might just be them and I think it's really important to try and separate yourself and realize that people don't necessarily understand your eating disorder but you may not understand what their issues are around food and they may just take that out on you like one year my sister said to me well don't worry carrots are carbohydrates and if you eat those you'll put on loads of weight and I was just like what and she was just talking rubbish because she wanted to wind me up but it's because Mm. she had loads on her plate and she felt really guilty and she just did it because she knew it would wind me up Mm. um at the time I was devastated and I ran off and I sat in my garden and I cried and I said to my mum I can't eat anything I don't know what I'm gonna do um and yeah retrospectively my sister was just having a really bad day and I feel, you know, and I, I probably wasn't being that nice to her either. Mm. Um, to take some time out to kind of reflect on that and to realise that I think people with eating disorders take a lot on their shoulders um, and, and blame themselves for a lot of things. And it, it isn't always. Uh, Christmas can be really hard for a, a lot of people, not just people, you know. Mm. And I, I think seeing your family being in those situations, they tend to stir up a lot of emotions that people might not be aware of. So just if you feel uncomfortable it probably everyone feels uncomfortable not just you and it's not just about you yeah and I think especially kind of with the past few years that we've had in that you know it's not been as easy to see family you know last year Christmas for me was very small it was just me mum and dad whereas normally it would be a lot bigger um I guess one thing that people might be thinking about this year is around the comments that people might make you know if, um, maybe people have seen their loved ones but I don't know maybe not as frequently or something they've maybe not had a meal with them specifically what how would you say to navigate those comments I mean you've just given a lovely example of your sister but I distinctly remember being sat with my grandma and she said something that I'm not going to say again about a particular food we're eating and I just ran upstairs and I cried and you know looking back I'm still angry that she said it because she knew exactly what was going on but equally I'm angry at myself for letting it get to me and kind of it ruined everyone's day not just mine but then equally you know you look back and you think well I had an eating disorder I wasn't asking to get upset about her comment so I guess you know how would you say to navigate that sort of thing so what I always try to do is to remind myself that I am hypersensitive to any comments about my appearance. Um, and 
it's very unlikely that anybody would say anything to me about my appearance and mean it as an insult that cared about me. Um, so, I mean, I think everyone's familiar with the you look well comment. That's always one, uh, one isn't it? And when someone with an eating disorder hears you look well, what do you actually hear? You look fat. You've put on loads of weight. You're obviously. And I always used to hear comments like that. And I think it used to strike off this huge fear in me that if I looked well, that people would stop caring if I didn't feel well. Mm. Um, And I always felt that unless my body showed how I really felt inside, that nobody cared if I was struggling um, and people would just kind of ignore me and put put my feelings to one side. When, to be honest, um, and I've written a blog about this, sometimes when I've been physically bigger I've been much more severely ill um, and I, d- I did that to illustrate that eating disorders can happen at any shape and size um, that you're you know you don't have to look well to be well it, it can actually be a lot more serious than what's on the outside but um, people mean it people mean that because they like you people mean I am so glad you don't look like you're going to pass out or I am so glad you don't look grey or um your faces and for me it used to be my face used to be really swollen um and because of all my glands and people when they looked at me they actually meant you look really nice <laughs> you look really healthy you you don't look like you're hurting yourself anymore um but but it's not socially acceptable to say you don't look like you're causing yourself pain because there's no kind way of saying that so you say you look well because it, it's more comfortable um and whenever I say to anyone, um, I speak to so many people and they say, oh, my God, someone said I look well and I, and I feel fat. And I accept that that probably will be said. But what people mean when they say you look well is they mean I am happy to see you. You you look happy. But also people, if people are listening to this and you have a loved one with, with an eating disorder, try not to say you look well. Try to say it's so great to see you smiling or how have you been don't say you look physically well because Mm -hmm. I think you know especially when people are on a recovery plan your your body gets well much quicker than your brain um and you can be miles behind mentally eating something but you you know you're eating a prescribed diet that's in front of you so you can appear to be so much further towards recovery than you might actually be and the hardest days might be in front of you when you have to take that responsibility for yourself and maintaining it. Um, so, um, so to keep having awareness that if you do have a loved one with an eating disorder, that what's in front of you is probably not what's going on behind behind their eyes, you know, in their mind that they they probably are really struggling. Um, and and to try and keep comments about them as a person rather than their their physical appearance. But I think mm. for most people, it's a relief, you know, like. I have kids and I say to them, oh, you look beautiful today. I, you know, you look so lovely. And my daughter will just go, no, ah, please don't speak to me about how I look. What do you know about how I look? And, you know, and, and I look at her and I just think she is the most beautiful child in the world. But she'll say, oh, mum, I am not pretty. I don't like, I don't like this about myself. And I know that there's nothing I can say that will change her opinion of that but I think she's beautiful and I'm genuinely saying these things because I think that Mm -hmm. and I think that's what a lot of people are saying they're saying it from a genuine place of love and care um but equally yeah it's hard not to be sensitive when I was pregnant with my son my mother-in-law said to me quite rightly oh don't you look great um you know you look like you're you're doing really well you're blooming and stuff and I was 
horrified and I, I looked at my husband I burst into tears and I went off and I got changed because I was like I look fat I look awful but what she actually meant was um in in your previous pregnancy you were seriously emaciated and unwell and you looked very very ill <laughs> this pregnancy you're doing a lot better well, that's what she meant to say and she was just relieved that I didn't look like I was going to pass out but I took it so personally um to tr- just try not to take it personally and remember that people people love you and they don't say things like that to hurt you it's all meant from love yeah absolutely I think that you know you've given such a nice overview there of kind of both if you're in the eating disorder if you're you know if you're very far along in recovery I think you know still today if I'd seen a family member and they commented on my body I'd be like oh I don't like that um but I think that's more just because you know, don't want people to comment on my body than anything. So I think that was really nice that you kind of gave such a broad overview. Something else that I wanted to just ask about, because I'm aware we've spoken um, a little bit about anorexia and bulimia, um, but I think, uh, you know, Christmas can be quite a challenging time for people with binge eating disorder as well. There's a lot of food possibly um, and, you know, family around and again, comments. So Do you have any tips if somebody's struggling with binge eating disorder for navigating the kind of festive period? So I I don't have binge eating disorder myself and I don't want to speak on behalf of people Mm -hmm. with binge eating disorder. But um, as part of my eating disorder, I did used to, um, uh, I'm trying to think what the word is, I did did used to subjectively binge and make, you know, and and use compensatory behaviours. So um, one one thing that I have found very helpful in kind of trying to um, be preventative about getting myself into those situations is to have controls in place to to make sure I've got like a safe amount of food that I know I can eat and have and sort of hold myself accountable to say, you know, not have the other things in the house. I used to just not have my trigger foods in the house that I knew I would possibly eat too much of and make myself sick um and I used to say to my husband don't buy these foods because I know that I will make myself sick or um you know do other things um and I and it took me a really long time and then I had to control to introduce them back into my diet when I felt safe and ready to do so but I had to do stuff like I went when I went through a very severe period of purging when I came out of that I would do stuff like leave all, all the doors open to hold myself physically accountable to other people in the house because I couldn't be secretive so I guess if you have secretive places where you hide food to you know make people aware of them do you know put controls in place have a plan um with with someone you know with a therapist about how you're going to control um you know the problems that you might face around this time uh, and give yourself safeties like are there things that you know will prevent a binge is there something to do that can be distracting or supportive to that? Is there someone you can speak to to kind of support that? Um, you know, cult- culturally at Christmas, it's very binge driven. So it's really hard. Mm. Um, and just just to remember to, to to be considerate to yourself and and also not not to beat yourself up if there is a mistake. If you do, if you do have a, a blip or something goes wrong. It, you know, everyone does it. Everyone has blips. Everyone everyone struggles at times and not to let it derail the whole festive season for you you know go that that that's that's today tomorrow is a new day and I'll get back on track and I'll be okay um but I don't want to speak on behalf of people with binge eating disorder um, because it's not my area of expertise and I wouldn't want to sound patronizing at all no (laughs) 
I think um I think I agree with you I think I just wanted to kind of mention it because I think often there's a, a lot of talk this time of year especially when we're in eating disorders about how you know how to manage anorexia how to manage bulimia and I think binge eating disorder is left behind but I think you know I personally haven't had binge eating disorder either but I can imagine that with the amount of food that's around and almost it like you said it's that promotion of binging um I remember you know on on Christmas day or whatever and my mum would be sat there really really full but she'd be like I've got to have this mince pie because it's Christmas day and it was as though tomorrow that food is not going to exist anymore and we can't have Christmas food tomorrow and I almost feel like now that period is stretched until kind of New Year's as well um in that you know this is the only period of time we can eat that food and then this is so nicely brought me on to my next question actually New Year's rolls around and then you've got everybody coming up with their New Year's resolutions which are predominantly you know not everybody but predominantly based around weight loss starting a new exercise regime I don't even know (laughs) cringe wanting to think about it um but how what do you have any tips for people in managing sort of the new year kind of thing because one thing I wanted to just say was every single new year I said to myself my new year's resolution is to recover and it's almost as though if you set and this is just again from my personal experience but setting it as a new year's resolution never worked because new year's resolutions in themselves are short term they last most people don't even last until february on their new year's resolution (laughs) so i guess what would be your kind of advice for people with those comments let's start with that before i waffle on anymore the comments (laughs) around new year's (laughs) what what i actually did um new year's resolution wise is that um when the new decade rolled around I said to myself like I'm not going to set myself unrealistic goals about what I want to do because I I kind of liked I wanted to learn something new and I'm doing a degree in clinical psychology now Um, and I you know I I don't know what I'm going to do with that but I I wanted to do something to help people with eating disorders and that was kind of my goal and I said to myself um, I'm going to give myself 10 years to try and work out a way of doing that um, and so that's what I, I stretched it out and I made my goals kind of manageable. So not like, oh, this year I'm going to solve, mm-hmm. you know, all walls or something like that. Un- unrealistic. But, I, you know, I, I gave my I said, I, I do want to change myself, but I know that if I try and change myself in 12 months, it's probably not going to happen. And then I'll be annoyed at myself for not doing it. So I said to myself, give yourself a decade, see how it goes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would suggest setting yourself kind of manageable goals if that's the sort of thing that kind of is is good for you because some people with eating disorders are consummate perfectionists and and have very black and white thinking and if they don't get to the goal that they've set themselves everything has failed the whole year is a disaster because that's just the kind of way your brain works with with some kinds of eating disorders that you think if I haven't succeeded I failed no I haven't not that I've tried and I've made all these brilliant steps towards what I wanted to do I failed because I didn't do what I wanted to do um and and that's not necessarily the sum of everything you've done in a year so um but when, with regards to um I must lose weight and I must exercise and I must get healthy um well you know it's coming it's like a storm you have to just mentally prepare it's coming um and you know that people are you know uh, psychology of dieting people who are depriving themselves of food are going to talk about food all the time um, and you know that you know that 
um, if people aren't eating less than they should be eating, their brains are going to be seeking food and they're going to start talking to you about food. They're going to start talking about the calories that they're eating, probably going to start talking to you about what they're going to have for dinner when it's lunchtime because they haven't eaten enough for lunch and they're thinking about food. And they're, yeah, so, um, I mean, one thing that when, when I was working in, in an office, um, I used to just say to people, I need to remove myself from this conversation. I'm really sorry it's not not healthy for me to be around this. Um, I can't talk about the calories in foods because I find it really difficult and it can spoil certain foods for me. I just enjoy food um, and that's a healthy way for me to be. And I had to be that clear with people and people would still forget and they would talk to me about the fabulous progress they'd made on the 5-2 diet or whatever it was. And I would just be, some people can get really angry and say you're promoting eating disorders. And yes, in some ways, going for large periods of time without food is very triggering for people with eating disorders, particularly people with restrictive eating disorders. Um, but, you know, it, it's the same with sort of socializing and food and that, that if that's what makes somebody happy, then you, you have to have some degree of acceptance. Like my, my husband um, was on Slimming World for um, about a year, but he was not happy with who he was. And I said to him, I could do this for you you know, I can give you advice on how to eat, but he said, I don't, I don't want to be accountable to you. This is my thing. I want to do it. This is the way I want, I want to control my weight. And it was horrible. And I found it really difficult being in that environment where he was worrying about his weight. He was weighing himself all the time. Um, and I had to ask him to move the scales. I said, I don't want them in the bathroom because it's upsetting for me. I don't want even want the temptation of getting on them because I know that if I, even if I get on them and I haven't gained any weight or lost any weight, it's not a healthy way for me to be because I don't weigh myself. Um, and he, you know, he would talk about food. He he would eat less than me at times. And I found that really difficult. I, you know, I was sat there going, you're a man. You're supposed to eat more than me. That's how science works. How can I cope? Oh, my God, I'm going to get impossibly fat. You know, that, that's what my brain was doing. Um, but I was thinking just about me in that respect. I wasn't necessarily thinking about what, what was good for him mentally. And for him to have stopped doing that he would have had to sit in a in a way of feeling that was very uncomfortable for him um, and a lot of people do feel that way after they've had a period of excess and it is quite normal and like you said by February normally it's gone <laughs> so um, it, it's just a period of time and I think it's very difficult when you're suffering it can feel like everything is an attack on and an assault on your recovery but it it is also about being considerate to the people around you and thinking that those people probably are suffering themselves in guilt and the way that they feel comfort. And if that makes them feel better, it'll probably fizzle out. It'll probably go away. Um, and just to be as upfront as you can with people or to try and distance yourself. I, when I couldn't be honest with people about how I felt, I just used to put my headphones in at work and not listen, or I would go and get a drink and just take myself away from the situation Um so I think if someone is directly having a conversation with you about food and the worst thing for me was if I was eating something, someone would say, oh, that's not allowed on my diet. And I would just want to throw it out the window. I, I would just have to be quite honest and say, well, I'm not on a diet. Um, this is my diet. Um, and for me to be healthy, I have to eat things like this because it's good for my brain. And you just have to be quite kind of <laughs> firm with people um, and they'll go away and they'll find someone else who's interested in talking to them about food to listen to and to talk about because there's loads of people who are on mm. diets at the same time. Um, but yeah, I guess um, my, my, my kind of very long-winded point there was, was to sort of say that it will pass and to sort of prepare yourself. It won't last forever. And by Easter, everyone will be talking about chocolate again. 
I really liked what you said about thinking about other people because I think I am so guilty of being like if anybody's around me you can't be on a diet because that's going to trigger me but you know now in retrospect I can look back and think how selfish of me to say you can't do something that's gonna you know even if it was just somebody starting to go to the gym more because they wanted to you know get a bit of exercise in I guess so as I'm saying that I am also thinking I think it comes from a place of love purely based on the fact that you know when somebody does start dieting or does start exercising my trigger warnings go off and I'm like beep boop beep boop eating disorder don't stop it blah blah blah. so I was watching my husband for him developing an eating disorder because it happened to me and I thought it's same I was like he's on a diet so he's going to develop an eating disorder yeah but he didn't and he eventually eventually got bored with it and he stopped going um and I I felt I felt really uncomfortable while he was doing it but I had to learn to accept it because otherwise I was asking somebody I loved to be uncomfortable with themselves just to make me happy and I didn't think that was fair it yeah. took me to, you know I didn't wake up the next day and go yes that's it I've come to an epiphany you know it took me a while saying to him I feel really uncomfortable with you doing this and then when he said would you rather that I felt physically uncomfortable in who I am and I was like actually no that's that's not fair you know yeah he wouldn't ask the same thing of me so I need to be kind of kind about that yeah I think that recognition as well of that you know not everybody's going to develop an eating disorder. And I think, you know, that always is the biggest problem for me because I'm like, but there's so many different things that can cause an eating disorder. You know, we can't pinpoint it down to one thing. So then I get worried for people that I love that they are going to develop one. But then, you know, I think that's a really difficult thing to navigate. But I think, you know, in my experience, all I have done is said, you know, I'm a voice or a shoulder if you need to talk to anybody about me maybe feeling a bit more uncomfortable about these behaviors I'm here um which I think is a better way to approach it than all these things you're doing they're so negative they're so disordered they're really bothering me I don't like it stop because that's probably not gonna help your relationship either um but that was fantastic so thank you so much um I hope everybody listening has got some tips and advice and maybe even just found some comfort in this period um, because I think often hearing it from somebody else can be quite nice to know that people feel the same. So thank you very much, Christina, and I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and Happy New Year. You too. Thank you for having me. I hope this episode has helped put you in a festive mood and also given you some tips and tricks for the festive period. I know it can be really difficult but hold on in there because it doesn't have to be perfect it's all about hope joy and spending time with those that you love next week we'll be joined by jason wood who has struggled with orthorexia and wrote the book starving for survival which explains his experience of orthorexia he also gives some tips on new year and facing diet culture bullshit if you enjoyed listening today you won't want to miss next week's episode so be sure to subscribe Eating disorders are crippling illnesses, but with the right support, they can be recovered from. Thanks to everyone for their support so far. If you want to support the podcast further, you can become a patron, which allows us to keep producing weekly episodes to spread awareness of eating disorders and provide other resources for those struggling with an eating disorder. We really hope you enjoyed this episode, but if you require more support right now, please look into charities such as First Steps and Beat for support or talk to someone you trust.